This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Tuesday Takeover with Henry Dean on FUBAR Radio. What's going on, people? Welcome to the show. My name's Henry Dean. This show is called Feet Wet. Today, we're going to be talking to you for the next two hours about all things starting out, really. We're going to be talking about getting those all-important first steps in the career of your choice, in the creative arts, in media, anything social-related. We're going to be chatting to some special guests throughout the show. I've got four guests on, the first of which is already in the house with me. I'll introduce you to her in one hot second. Um, I, by trade, am a director and photographer. I work mostly in music, a little bit in fashion, make some branded content, all that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, today we're just in here to spill the beans on uh, how we get started. Because there's a lot out there in the world on the internet about how people level up through the industry and famous people's stories. But I know when I was starting out, I was thirsty for knowledge about how to take those very first steps and what can I do today and what can I do right now? What do I need to work on in order to get where I want to go? So I thought it would be cool to put the show together for the takeover here on Fubar Radio, get some guests in, talk a little bit about their world, how they've established themselves in it and what they think you need to do as well to um, follow in their footsteps. But before I go any further, I'm going to introduce the first guest of the day. The lovely lady sitting opposite me is Sade Lawson. Hello. Sade, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Sade is um, maybe our guest that has her hands in the most pots, shall we say, <laughs> on the show. Now I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, you're doing a lot. You're out there doing a lot. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell some of the listeners about a few of the things you do? Okay. Um, I've been trying to condense it recently because a lot of people have been asking, but I guess at the moment I would start with management, uh, music management, and then I've bracketed a lot of other things into creative consulting. Oh, I like that. Just because, you know, there are so many different sort of elements of what I do, and they all fall into the creative industry in some way. And I guess in some way they're all connected. Um, so instead of having like, you know, management, creative director, producer, model, DJ, I've just condensed it into like a creative person. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And I think we do a lot of that in this day and age, a lot of like making your own label per se or making mm-hmm. your own making your own job because uh, things are a little different nowadays yeah. than they used but to I be. I also think it's like depending on you know, what you're doing at that mm-hmm. time or who you're potentially going to be working with. 100%. That kind of determines also how I would sort of go about telling people what I do, what seems most relevant in that situation, I guess. I like that. Defining yourself for specific situations and specific people rather than defining yourself too broadly. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Otherwise, it just gets confusing and everyone's like, well, you just do so many different things. They don't even really know what to come to you for. Exactly. And I don't want that to be confusing either because I get confused. So <laughs> like, I want to make I mean, if easy. you get confused, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe other people would as well. Um, at the top, let's start mm. off by mentioning to people how we met. I want yes. I want to I want to go over that because I think that's important. Meeting people in mm-hmm. any career is important and then maintaining those relationships too. So, if I remember correctly, it was at the uh, we met at an event um, an Adidas Tango football event where we were both working with 
the the dream team of Still Bangles and Mist. Yes. Oh my gosh, I remember that now. That was yeah. a while ago now. I think that was almost two years ago now. Yeah. That um which saying that out loud feels crazy because yeah. it feels quite recent, but I think that was almost two years ago. Um so you were obviously there working with them on uh, the label side of things, which mm-hmm. I guess we'll touch on a bit later. And I was there um, just making a video, I think, for, for Bangles' socials. But mm-hmm. that's how we touched base initially. So, um, yeah, you say you work in music. Why don't you give us a little more of an in-depth overview of um, what you do uh, in music and outside of music? Okay. And, uh, yeah, what's your, what's your day-to-day? Okay, so at the moment, mm-hmm. um, I actually recently just started a new role um, in management because obviously, as we'll probably get into it, but obviously I came from the labels. I left Warner last year in July and then I was freelancing. And then I most recently got a job working with FK Twigs management team. Wow. Um, so I've been sharing an office with her team for the last year when uh, outside of Warner with another company that I run. And, you know, we got connected, me and my friend Neela, who we also run a couple of businesses together. Um, And, yeah, they were um, going back into cycle of her releasing music and the opportunity came up and I was like, well, this is an incredible opportunity that obviously Mm -hmm. I could never say no to. Um, So that I've been there for the last two months full time. Um, so that's kind of like the main day-to-day role that I'm in at the moment. But obviously, I do about 10 million other things outside of that. You've got a load of other things on. I'm going to just run through the list real <laughs> quick. Um, Shada gave me a list of everything she's doing. So apart from previously working um, for Sony and Warner Music in the marketing departments, she's done a ton of freelance work. So aside from working with FKA Twig, she's worked on management for Lil C and Kadiata. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a model. Mm-hmm. For all sorts of people here, there, and everywhere, yes. find her on the find her on the internet. <laughs> um, you've directed yes music video one one music video yeah. still bangles yeah. music video yeah I've seen that one yeah how was that experience that was such a good experience and it was just really eye opening because again I think when you work in the creative industries and I was working in marketing so obviously I was always dealing with music videos and in my head I had this perception that I knew how to do a music video Mm -hmm. and then again the opportunity arose because I was working with a friend called Nathan you know Nathan I do Um, and I had this idea and I was just like to him I would love for you to help me bring it to life Um, and he kindly said yes but again it just came up at at the time where I was like well you know I'm just going to ask if you don't ask then you never know and they liked the treatment and we ended up shooting the video but from there again that really helped with after that I ended up producing I produced a lot of music videos and that experience I think really taught me an understanding of how to shoot a music video, mm-hmm. how to go through the editing process, just things that I never actually understood. But also, I think the main thing it taught me was time, how much time and effort goes into these pieces of content that people think is really easy. And then you actually do it yourself and you're like, oh, this is what it really entails to like achieve. Yeah, it something. takes a lot. And I think it's important to maintain that wide overview of everything you know like it's it's fantastic to excel at one thing yes but i think what you represent for many is that ability to do a lot but not just do a lot and wear yourself thin and not focus on anything but do a lot and have those experiences inform each other and that's what i think is so as i've 
found out by doing all of these different things. It's like, actually, for me to get to this stage in my career, I had to make steps like that in mm -hmm. order to understand more about a process and like understanding that I wanted to get to manage to become a manager. I was like having an understanding of how to shoot a music, how to do marketing, how to do social media. All of these things give me a better insight into doing like one role that encompasses all of that. Exactly. Um, but also just knowing what you like, because the creative yeah. industries, a lot of people that come into it are very creative in many different ways. They start off thinking that they want to do one thing. Like I wanted to do events. I always thought I wanted to run like wireless festival and love box. And that was like my passion. And then obviously coming into the industry and having all these different experiences have really helped me like channel you know, what am I good at and what do I actually enjoy doing? And I've enjoyed doing all the new fun things in the process. Good. So. And I think that's important, like staying open and staying open to an opportunity, but maintaining focus. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's what we see a lot of people doing nowadays, because you can kind of be anything, do anything. Mm -hmm. You see people that are jumping at every opportunity, mm -hmm. but they're never building building anything beyond that like yeah. for instance myself like i got into what i do now through filmmaking and yeah. wanting to do narrative filmmaking which mm -hmm. is still a, a goal uh, of mine but then other things come other things come up so doing photography doing more design more um other levels of creative work come up to you and and even doing things like this doing doing the show today and i think it's important to have these experiences mm -hmm. and open your mind and learn from them but then always feed it back into whatever it is mm -hmm. that is your your main goal and focus yeah. um so we we didn't even finish that list <laughs> by the way before we started talking about directing a music video um Sade is also a dj um like she mentioned before she does some creative consulting where she commissions music videos album artwork things like that and then she has a couple companies and collectives she yes. runs uh one is called Cozy Global, yes. which we'll talk about in one sec. The other is In Bloom, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. You Thank do you. amazing work through both of them. And then, above all, she is an amateur swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all, unless you're out there in the Olympics, we're all amateur swimmers. But um, Sade is also part of a, uh, a group, a crew, mm -hmm. collective yeah. called Swim Dem, where uh, I've seen some photos, I've seen some uh, press about the group online, which seems really cool. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, actually? Okay, so I feel like when they hear this, they're going to be like, you don't even come all the time. Oh, but she's no, one of those. Yeah, but the thing is, I think that, again... It's free press for them. Exactly. Yeah. Working <laughs> in the creative industry, you know, you spend all of this time sort of um, trying to achieve your goals, other people asking you for your opinion and your help. And I'm like, that is amazing, and I always want to do that. But then I always had this thing where I'm like swimming is something that I have always found really um, helpful mm -hmm. in the creative process. And then Swim Dem, they, the, it was two guys, P and Nathaniel, who started it. And the whole mission was that they wanted to create something for people of color who, basically a lot of people of color don't know how to swim. And you know, they get older and they actually well, never still learn. Don't know how to swim. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, you know, there's so many things about swimming that are amazing, like for your mental health, just for understanding the basics of being able to get in water, or if you go on a holiday Survival. and yeah. you want to go in the pool, or things like that, where I'm like, they do amazing things. And they recently started um, swimming lessons for, I guess, people oh, like us yeah. who, you know, might not want to go to swimming lessons with like five year olds, <laughs> but also what 
really want to learn how to swim. And I just think that it's a really important thing and something that I really enjoy. And it's like, you know, we always talk about the creative side and what we're doing, but it's like you can have other hobbies that also kind of intertwine. And they do do a lot of photo shoots and they do do a lot of activations, they do parties. So I'm always like, you know, it's a great thing that I like to be a part of and I'm trying to be more a part of. So I'm like, Definitely. Well, you're doing well. And I think it's important to have a wide variety of interests outside of especially if your main focus is something creative that yeah is something you've got into out of the you know pure joy and exactly. love of doing it it's important to have other things that again just keep feeding the brain keep feeding and that's what i think it's you know these in this industry especially because most people come into it because they're passionate about whatever it is photography film music that it kind of consumes your life mm -hmm. where i'm like you know even going out everything i do is probably based around work mm -hmm. so i like to have one thing that actually is just because i enjoy doing that even if there's times when i'm not doing it all the time I just think it's important to also, you know, allow yourself to have fun sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And so you're a busy woman, mm -hmm. as 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 we all know so far. One of uh, I I asked my my small but dedicated following on yes. Instagram um, <laughs> to submit some questions oh, in general for the show yes. today. And uh, one that um, I got given that I thought was super interesting mm -hmm. was how often do you get your recommended daily allowance of sleep? Ooh. So I, I mean, I for one actually sleep quite well. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like my days are jam packed and I like to use my time wisely. But I also know getting enough sleep for me at least is important. Some people can function on not much sleep. Some people need loads. But I would say more often than not, I'm getting eight hours sleep or seven to eight hours sleep. And I'm trying to make it happen. If I if I get under six hours sleep like three days in a row. I'm getting sick. Yeah. And I can I know. I know I'm getting sick. I can I can feel it in the in the aura around me. Um and I think uh, for me it's about like finding balance between mm. between work and sleep and making the most of the hours of being awake. That doesn't mean I don't have super late nights and super early mornings quite a lot. Probably more so than the the usual person, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I think it's important it all builds into taking care of your body, taking care of yourself, um which helps take care of your mind exactly <laughs> what about you i think yeah i agree i love sleep like really a lot <laughs> and i feel like people have this perception that i'm always out 24 7 and i'm like i don't know why but um i definitely like to get a lot of sleep um but again as you said it's it's all dependent on how busy i'm at that time so Precisely. i'll go through like a month where I'm going to bed at 2am because we're working on all these different things. We've got a music video, we've got this coming up. And then I'll go through a month where I'm going to bed at 11 and getting up, you know, later than I should. Yeah. <laughs> so it varies, but I definitely, I think it's more, the sleep thing's fine. For me, it's more the in-between relaxed time yeah. that I find the hardest. Like, I like sleeping, so I make sure that I fit that in. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more like finding that time where you can just chill. Switch off. And switch off while you're awake, mm. where I can only really do it when I'm sleeping. And I think that's probably what I'm trying to work on. I think that's hard as well. And as a freelancer, you do have that, that I don't know, that voice in the back of your head always saying like, well, if I'm not working, mm. I'm missing out or I'm not making money or I'm not progressing. I yeah. think everyone that works and makes it in in all these fields you do have this drive and ambition that's within you that you kind of can't ignore and mm. it's it's important over time i think especially as you progress in what you're doing and things are becoming more important there's more money involved there's yes. more stress involved mm -hmm. i think it's important to develop those habits where you have that downtime yeah. where you clear your mind whether it is like swimming or even just i don't know doing nothing like thinking about yeah. nothing meditation 
yeah, all of that, all I of that good stuff. Rubbish TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's just play some more music for sure. now, and then uh, afterwards we'll come back and talk a little bit more about I don't know how you balance the multitude of things you do. Mm-hmm. But um, for now, let's uh, listen to Burner Boy. There we go. It's Burner Boy doing us right. I love that Burner Boy album. Yeah. Outside, I feel like that. Um, that like. Gave me a real intro intro to who he was as an artist. Like mm-hmm. I knew of him before, but mm-hmm. then that album I was, it was the first time I listened to it front to back, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I love this guy." Do you know what's crazy? I always forget album names. I'm like, "Yeah, I've heard that." Yeah, that one with the black it. cover yeah. and the things. I know, yeah. yeah, I know it by sight. <laughs> yeah. But then people be like, "You heard this album?" I'm like, "Is this the new?" Yeah, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, cool. So I want to talk a little bit to you specifically about. The difference between working as part of a big company, even mm-hmm. if it's your own little part of it, but as part of a big company and working for yourself, because you mm. obviously have experience in both. You have experience working for big corporations. You have experience working as your own company and mm. you have experience working as you, no, yeah. the individual. So um, I don't know for you, what's what would be the main differences in your day to day working life? Yeah, um, I think three. A couple of things. I think that obviously the most, you know, sort of one at the front is time. Obviously, when you're working full time, you're in an office all day. Mm -hmm. When you're freelance, you have complete control of your own time. Um, And I think for me, I always knew that, you know, the way that I work, I would benefit from being freelance it's just about being able to have the income i think that there is some invaluable experiences you get from working in a corporate sort of full-time environment because i left uni and i went straight into um i went straight into a job well i was kind of interning and then i got an internship at sony for a year so that was kind of my first industry job and what it does is give you that structure and you know it just gives you that understanding of how corporate environments Mm -hmm. work how to communicate whether or not that's by email having meetings the way that sort of the language i guess of corporate settings because i think that's what's hard for a lot of freelancers who have never gone into the corporate environment is that they have to learn all of that from the outside whereas i got to learn all of that and then have my own company with other people and then go freelance so it was actually a really amazing transition because at that point I was really ready to just do my own thing because I knew as well exactly what I wanted to achieve Um, and so I think for me freelance is probably like the ultimate goal Mm -hmm. always because you know who doesn't want to have control of their own time but I think that there is a lot of value in having a team around you and having structure in place and just being able to I guess um, manage your time in a specific way because you have, you know, nine to five or nine to six, you know, right. okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. Um, and when you're freelance, it's all about motivating yourself. You know, you have to go out and get jobs. You have to go out and wake up at the right time and still go to the gym and still go and do the things that you want to do. Whereas when you're full time, you fit that in around everything else because you're like, well, I know I'm going to be in the office. So anything else I want to do, I have to fit in around that. So I think it's just, you know, for me, it was... I think best that I had I had a, a sort of corporate job mm-hmm. when I first started just to get an understanding of how all of that worked and then transition now where I'm in a, a full-time job but it's in a small team where you know it feels a lot more um, independent yeah, yeah. exactly um, so I think it just depends as well what your goals are yeah though I entirely think. I think. yeah 
and it, it also depends on knowing on understanding yourself and understanding the yes. way you work because even as a freelancer independent artist whatever it is you want to be if, in order to get anywhere you're going to have to work with with and among mm-hmm. big companies and yeah. they do have a, there is a specific corporate culture that yeah works and obviously works for them that mm-hmm. you have to kind of understand and not and necessarily navigate. adhere to but navigate yeah. exactly you have to understand the politics you have to understand who you're talking to why you're talking to them and mm-hmm. not the next person and, and i sort think of the process you yeah. know like the chain of how how things go um and seeing you know and it was even for me being in these corporate environments helped me understand what do I want? Do mm. I want to be, you know, working my my way up in a company like this and then be the CEO or be a managing director, or do I want to do that for myself, or do I just want to like enjoy what I do all the time and not worry about getting up a certain ladder or Precisely. is it financial? Yeah. It just kind of depends, I think, on what the end goal is. And what what would you say gave you that confidence, or how did you know? when it was time for like okay i've i've enjoyed this experience within these companies now i want to branch out on my own because as far as i know with you it was more of a great it wasn't like a hard cut Mm. of okay i'm leaving this job and i'm going to start my own thing it was more you started your own thing on the side and i guess eventually that became your main your main thing yeah exactly i think i was thinking about it recently um and i think it all you know naturally comes from what you see so Mm -hmm. like growing up my dad is a musician he also ran a number of companies so in my mind I always thought you know even if I have a day job I still saw music as a hobby so it was like I'm working in a label which is amazing but I know I want to do events because that's what I did at uni and that's my passion so I was like well it fits in because I work at a label and my boss at the time when I started at Sony he again it's all partly like what you want and partly luck or partly Mm -hmm. opportunity because when I was at Sony I was interning you know just doing assistant work A&Ring marketing PA and then my boss took over the Notting Hill Arts Club at the time oh wow and so then there literally just came an opportunity and I was like okay well I'm here, yeah. so I want to do it. And you made your own opportunity. Yeah. I think that's a big, I think that's a big thing in every industry. Is like, yes, there is an element of being in the right place at the right time, yes. and there is an element of knowing the right people. But ultimately, you create that. You create that luck. You create that opportunity 100%. that like pushes you and over I think the edge. I'm not from London, so I grew up in Edinburgh. Well, mm-hmm. I moved around a lot, but I went to high school in Edinburgh. Yeah. So I moved back to London for uni, and I was like, I'm in a position where I'm not from here. I don't know, you know, loads of people. But again, I always, I guess music is such a, or the creative industries is such a social industry. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's really interesting is it's professional, but it's also very social. It's very, you know, who do you know? What meetings are you going to? What parties are you going to? What Definitely. events? Who have you met? You know, those are all the ways that a lot of jobs come about. So I think from doing all of that, I then, you know, was able to see what opportunities were out there. And then, you know, when even when I started at Sony, I was, you know, had no idea what I was doing. No. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just going with the flow. And then eventually I just saw things coming up. And I'm like, if I don't speak up, which was what was happening, I wasn't speaking up. And so I was just getting left in the background. And I was like, at some point, especially as a woman, you know, all the things that we face in the industry, I was like, if I don't put myself in this position, 
then I'm not going to get these opportunities. Mm-hmm. They're going to pass me by and then I'm going to wonder why I'm still left, you know, just sitting here Behind. at the desk every day. Well, it's important to seize those opportunities and not be afraid to, and not be afraid of failing because, yeah, yeah. you might, you know, you might try and get something and, and get passed over for it, get yeah. rejected for it. All the time. Get left out. But at the same time, you learn from all 100%. those experiences. You learn from putting yourself forward. You learn from just putting yourself out there, which I think is mm-hmm. is nice. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, In Bloom and about empowering your friends and those around you because I feel like you do a very good job of working with people who you seem to genuinely like yeah like you I don't know I don't know them all exactly but you seem to have a a very cool group of of friends who Mm -hmm. are all doing excellent work together and I sort of try and practice that in in my world and what I do is like bringing people up with me like I really want as much as possible to give those around me all the opportunity I can because mm-hmm. you know we're stronger when we're when yeah. we're all together and it is it is nice to be able to lift people up um, with you because mm-hmm. you'd simultaneously hope that they would lift you when they when they can as well so yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit more about about that group and and how it came about yeah I think again uh, when you're saying that what that was now I think about it also was that you know I had a full time job and this was something that we could just create things as a group where that we enjoyed. And so I think whenever you start things because you just enjoy it, that's always the best place because we essentially, again, we were all in different sort of groups. Mm-hmm. I knew Neela and Christina and Hannah and I met them. They, so, and then, you know, basically everyone had different friendships and relationships and we all kind of came together for different reasons. Like it would be, oh, we're all going to the park. So it would be like we'd invite invite each other or you know and then eventually we'd all just start hanging out together and then it was like you know a couple of the people were aspiring photographers Mm -hmm. and then it was like well I'm trying to be a model so it kind of just started in that way where it was essentially just like well we don't have yeah yeah, we're not going out clubbing all the time so why don't we do a photo shoot on when it's sunny or why don't we just do something fun and then I guess from there Again, I'm like it probably was. I, the what stop- did it? What did it become ultimately? For those that don't know, what, oh, what yes. is in bloom? And, so I and guess it became. It uh, again, it was very difficult to define because it was like, is it a creative agency? Is it an advertising agency? What is it? And I was like, well, for me, it didn't really matter mm-hmm. because we were just doing what we enjoyed, and again, trying to figure out the business side of it as we went along because we were all at different stages in our careers. You know, none of us have ever run a company like of that size with that many people working with actual commercial partners mm-hmm. all of these things that we were all literally experiencing that together as we went along um so eventually it became you know uh, i guess a creative agency that we would offer the service of working with brands for creating things that i guess people wanted at that time so again we had an aesthetic that was I guess, desirable at Mm -hmm. the time. Um, And we were just creating that because that's what we like to do. But we worked with brands to actually help them. And again, I think we came at a time when social media was new, you know, understanding that landscape, understanding the access that people had. We were able to harness that at that time. And we wanted to work with all these companies. We were like, it's a great thing to be able to do a campaign with Adidas or a campaign with Nike. And then we just tried to take it more and more seriously and actually turn it into something where, you know, we could really provide a service for these companies or for people or for friends. It wasn't even just about going out and working with, you know, massive brands. It was also like, what do we want to do? And it, it was always meant to be, you know, 
putting things back in so that we could create things still for fun, essentially. And, and I think that's important, understanding what you have to offer, like understanding yeah. the information that you are privy to that mm. these brands or, or companies or whoever wants to latch onto or understanding you offer something stylistically that is valuable and yeah. people are going to want. And I think that's something important I've learned is while, yes, being creative and, and living that life and, mm. and having good ideas is important, valuing your work and, and thinking of yourself as a business is arguably just as important because yeah. if you don't have that side of your brain switched mm. on as well, as genius as you are or as creative and great as you, you can be, if you don't have that business savvy yeah. and if you don't have that organization there to take you to the next level, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and again, something I learned from doing that, I get my background in record companies mm -hmm. or corporate environments really helped when dealing with sort of brands. Yeah. Because there is a lot of legal, a lot of business, a lot of things like that, you know, if you're just coming out as a freelancer and you've never had a job like that, it's very difficult to know what are the boundaries, even negotiating fees, negotiating contracts, negotiating terms. Those are all things that, you know, it took us a while to really to figure, figure out. out. Yeah. yeah. But you do and you learn and you learn by doing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's also about being fearless and not yeah. being afraid to ask for help or yeah. not being afraid to admit you don't know because... This is the it's not school it's like the real world yeah. it's business so if you make yeah. a mistake that's going to have real real life repercussions yeah, for you like for the people you're working with for everyone yeah. so 100%. you know if people out there remember if you if you need help ask for help mm. there's nothing wrong with that At or all. make sure you get the experience where where it gives you everything you need mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to ask questions when you're having that experience yeah. um anyway we have our second guest Hello. in the house we're going to bring him in and uh, he's going to join Sade on the mic. Um, but before we bring him, bring him in, we're going to play another song for you. We're going to play Kevin Abstract's Crumble. You Kevin Abstract, what a guy. What a guy. I love that new album as well. He has a new album called Georgia, which, again, I remember the name yeah, of the album. Maybe the I do know the names yeah. of the albums. Maybe that's my thing. Um, go check that out if you haven't. He's a fantastic artist. That's and the great. rest of Brockhampton, their little crew. Let's introduce you to our next guest. Uh, also in the studio now, we still have Sade here, but we also have Charles Mori. Charles, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. hello so, hi. Charles, um, he I'm going to pre-warn you all now. He just landed uh, back from Singapore this morning. Correct, yeah. He's been working in Singapore. Um, Charles is a cinematographer, a director of photography. Uh, we work together a lot in film. Um, Charles, for those out there that maybe don't know exactly what that is, what is your job? Yeah, my grandma doesn't even know. I think she <laughs> says that I'm a director to most people, which is really cool. That's right. My dad says I'm a producer as well, so we're, um, we're, we're, we're linked in that way. Um, uh, basically, a director of photography is uh, uh, in charge of the way a film looks behind the camera. So anything that's in front of the camera is like, uh, generally a production designer or, or something like that. But yeah behind the camera so lights uh the camera department lenses grip all that stuff yeah mm. i mean i know but that is also very yeah. that is also no, very you know interesting what? i only i produce videos but i only found out a lot of the roles that that what they actually do it's recently. just a, a glorified cameraman that's the way i like to <laughs> yeah. Put it. yeah but you do a, you you do a lot i feel like uh the dop which is uh short for director of photography here in mm -hmm. the uk for those that don't know um really does a lot to like carry a carry a video through to the end they're uh they're 
controlling a lot of uh, variables that can either mm. make or break mm. something. Mm -hmm. um, so Charles here is from Australia. If you can't tell from yeah, his, uh, from his, <laughs> from his lovely voice, yeah, he, that's his preface to anything he says. Is just I'm sorry. Aww. Yeah. Um, and but you're living here in London now. Yeah, I've been I've been here for two and a half years now. Um, it's been it's been really wild. I think at the start it was really really tough. Um, kind of breaking into a, a creative industry is is that's really network driven. Is mm -hmm. um, yeah, it can be really tough. So leave, leaving everything that I had behind and then starting again was, I guess, uh, uh, impactful upon how I saw the world a lot as well. Yeah, and I think that's important. I think, one, having that experience of moving to a new city is important. Like Shade mm. was mentioning, she came from Edinburgh down to London. I've lived around the world. You've made the move from Australia to here. And I think, especially when you're a self-driven like self-starting person it's yeah. important to have had that experience of okay i'm going out on my own and i'm going to do this and i need to make this happen and be relentless in think, order to make this happen yeah i think that that early hustle that you've got to make just to just to make ends meet and and to make sure you can uh yeah that you can you can pay for rent and you can mm -hmm. pay for food um really kicks you in the ass yeah, yeah. um uh, and I, I found it really constructive. That's um, good. I think that uh, when you go to a new place, you've just got to work. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah, that's something that's a bit harder, I guess, as creatives. Like uh, finding that space to work and push yourself when you've got no man saying, uh, "Do this, do this." Yeah. So let's um, before we dig deeper into what we're talking about here, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you work on today where are you at right now cool. and um sort of how how succinctly how have you gotten there um so most of my work is uh in like branded spots and commercials uh we know each other through a little bit of music video work which I, I like to do but it's not it's not how i earn my money um uh, a, a quick way of saying how i got there mm. is i just like slowly slowly worked up basically um like each each little project that I've done has kind of built on the last one and just no big project has come through that's been like, oh, this is you now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're a superstar. I'm not a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you are in the eyes of some, my <laughs> man. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, just, just that slow incremental work, I, I guess, is where I am today. It's important. Well, because I know a lot of people in, in your world, in our world, in the film world, spend a lot of time assisting because that is a you know it is a good way to get experience and work your way up but right, then yeah, yeah. they they fall into these other roles on a film set and they never take the leap to becoming a dop becoming a director becoming a production designer becoming a creative head because you fall into a job that pays well and you are essentially mm -hmm. doing the thing that you love it might not be in the capacity you imagined but i think what i admire about you charles is that you while you were assisting, you were always like doing your own projects on the side. And I think that's something you can never lose sight of. It's similar to Sade still having her own projects going while you're working in-house at Sony or at Warner mm. and just keeping your own thing bubbling so that when you are confident slash experienced enough to, you know, jump out and do your own thing fully, it's it's there. The infrastructure's there. It's mm. just up for you to, to take up on it. Yeah. Uh, that's that for me I, I found that that was always a tricky balance as well because uh, i think it's really powerful to be able to say you just do one thing mm -hmm. and so when you're when you've got your 
uh, from the film side of things, when you've got so many things going on, um, it kind of, and a producer wants to hire you for a job, but they see that you're also an assistant, that can kind of be a bit of a weird moment for them where they, they, they want to be in the position where they're hiring the best person for the job. Right. So I think a, a really important step for me was streamlining that and saying and putting out, I, I hate to use this word, but brand, putting mm-hmm. out a brand to the world and saying, I'm, I'm a director of photography. This is what I do. I'm no longer an assistant. And I found that leaving Australia and coming to London was a really, really good way of just mm. straight away saying, hey, this is all I do. I've never done anything else. Yeah. And reinventing yourself. I think it's important to use, you know, because life throws things at you, whether it's having to move, whether it's, you know, big changes in your life things will get thrown your way that do they might be bad or they might be hard but they present you with an opportunity to change something within yourself and mm-hmm. yeah i like what you're saying it's i i find it interesting having you two here um now because sade you're someone that is doing a lot and has a lot going on with uh, in all sorts of different facets i guess of mm-hmm. the of the creative world whereas charles what you do is very streamlined and focused to one discipline like i I mean i know you personally and i know you have wide interests and you have um you you, you've done other things with your life before this but for now like your focus is very on one thing and i'd be interested for you two to maybe discuss how i don't know how does that affect because i guess in a way you both put yourself out there as a brand and Mm -hmm. as a certain thing but in one case it's very specific and in one case it's quite varied and i wonder you know what's the what's the difference there what's the difference mentally I think mentally, oh gosh. Yeah, I well, mean, not mentally, no, yeah. but the difference in terms of the thinking yeah, behind what I you're doing. The reason why, so I do, you know, you probably heard it already, but yeah. um, all these different things. And I think it was just because the opportunity arose and I was like, you know what? I know what, I think because I always, no, at this point, I know what I want to do, but throughout it, it kept changing. So I was like, right. well, I want to work in events. So I did events and I was like, well, this is cool, but actually mm, I don't want to do this forever. And then I totally. got the opportunity to work at a label. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I want to work at labels. And then I did that. And I was like, actually, it doesn't fulfill me. So it was always going through things. And then I got to the point where I was like, well, I'm in this amazing position where actually, if I look at it from a different perspective, where I have the opportunity to just try things mm-hmm. for fun, whether or not it's producing, video directing, modeling. And I've been lucky enough to you know, make relationships with people where they trust that I'm still gonna be able to, to deliver on what it is that I'm doing. So even if it was my first time directing, I always had someone beside me or around me that knew, okay, mm-hmm. don't worry, I'll help you figure this out because they the knew that. Of sorts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was always lucky to kind of just be in positions where I was like, you know what, even if I fail, even if it doesn't come out the way that I want, it's just another experience that I have to understand, do I wanna do this or not? Mm-hmm, and totally. I think for me, it was like, you know, because I had all these ideas of what I thought I wanted to do, and then I would get into that position and then be like, actually, it's not really what I want to do for the rest of my life. But then I'm like, do I even know what that is? So I just got to the point where I was like, do you know what? I mean, I've only got one life. So if someone's like, you know, you have the opportunity to direct a music video and it's an amazing artist, I'm like, why not? What's the worst that could happen? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I see things. You know? What about you, Charles? Because I feel like there are actually some similarities between your stories in terms of you sort of being on a different path in terms of what you're studying and then where you are today and having mentors and people that kind of showed you the ropes along the way. 
Yeah, I, I think I think it's probably uh, slightly different because film is uh, mm. a really specific kind of paradigm and way of working. Um, but I, your 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 narrative and what you're talking about it really speaks to what I experienced as well. Um, I I started off. Uh, I have a law degree. Uh, okay. I, I, was a, I was set <laughs> to be a law use. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I really didn't like it. Mm. Um, and then I, I started editing. At, I was cutting together cinema trailers. Okay. And I, I, I loved that kind of involvement with film, but again, I didn't really love it. And it's only that when I, when I went on set and I saw that kind of high energy friction that you get on set and all of that stuff that I fell in love with it. And I thought... Any, any kind of involvement with that in, in that world would make me happy mm. and it didn't and assisting I kind of fell out of love with it because um, it's so technical mm. it's so like oh you've got to know this lens you've got to yeah all that stuff and I, and I realized slowly or through all these processes that really it's this one specific thing yeah. that I'm, I'm quite interested in and I'm quite interested in the way it changes all the time as well mm. so I guess a similar kind of thing to you where it's not necessarily the same problem every day that I'm solving or yeah. doing, but yeah. So how did you how did you make that leap from assisting to being the guy, being the DOP yourself? Probably just being a bad assistant. No. What are some uh, of the steps you I took think, to like put that in motion to make that happen? Yeah, I, I think I think making the leap is probably the wrong term. I think again, it's that. It's like while you're assisting, you're doing passion projects mm -hmm. and you're always working on something on the side. Mm -hmm. And there's just this takeover point where you, you kind of think to yourself, how much is this really hurting what I want to be doing and how much is it helping? And there's just a, a threshold that you go past yeah. and you're like, oh, this is, this is I not think, working. I mean, me I think that's what we've found with, with both of you so far and with myself. Mm -hmm. there, are, there is a time where you're working on something essentially in service of other people. It might be in the in the field you want to be in or in the world you want to be in, but you're essentially working for someone else and then there becomes a point where you have the confidence, you have the experience to say, okay, I'm going to take what I've learned and do my thing now, which I think is, is wonderful. And it, I think what people need to realize is that happens at a very different stage for different mm. people. Some people need more time some people need less time some people can go right in at the top and be the thing from the get-go yeah. it doesn't mean they yeah. haven't worked hard for it but in certain worlds you can you can do that you can go in and you can be you know the number one you can be the boss straight away i also feel like that you know what you said is based around you as a person because I feel like when you work in the creative sector a lot of it is also you growing as just a person yeah. and getting older and understanding more about yourself and understanding you know your own confidence and what you want to do and that takes time and you know you spend a lot of time working when you work in the creative sector mm -hmm. so you kind of have to find something that you want to wake up and do every day because yeah. it consumes a lot of your life and you know a lot of jobs do but I think working in this sector where your friends become your business partners and you know all the events you go to you're making relationships essentially or they could be a potential client so you're always in this mind frame of like if I don't enjoy what I'm doing every day or if I'm not you know in a position where I'm trying to better myself then that's only going to affect me as as you know in my personal life because it's so intertwined yeah there's no like cut off between like this is my day job and this is who I yeah. am as as just myself and I think that's okay as well yeah. I feel like a, some people might hear that and people with a different understanding of work might think oh that's unhealthy I yeah. need to I need to be separate I need work-life balance but 
essentially if what you're doing is what you love and it's all you're thinking about and you're consumed by it then i think it's okay you need that drive in order to make something happen in this freelance self-starting world mm. if if you can imagine yourself doing something else you should probably go and be doing something else yeah, really? yeah. that's yeah i think the friendship group is a really funny one though it's and and sometimes i wonder to myself like a lot of my best friends are filmmakers or creative mm -hmm. people and I, I wonder like uh, should i be giving myself more balance between my my own life and my work life but mm -hmm. then I, I i realize how uh, how much color they bring to everything i do and everyone's always kind of got these crazy ideas and crazy things happening and it just it's so uplifting to see everyone doing their own thing and yeah, I think that that kind of crossover between work and life is is actually something that's healthy, right? Yeah, than yeah, and those lines I think are just getting ever more blurred as well yeah. um, as you move forward. But I think what both of you have have displayed is that it's important to have people around you that do motivate you, that excite you, that inspire you. I think if you one one piece of advice I would give for people that are starting out is surround yourself with like-minded people like you were saying earlier Sade you you were surrounded by this group of essentially f friends mm. and their extended friends and their extended circles that ultimately came together to form something quite special and that was I assume a launch pad for for quite a lot of your jobs and mm. likewise Charles like I know Charles and I have a lot of the same friends and the same friendship circles and it is important to have those people around you who might not directly be saying oh, I'm going to hire you for this yeah. job next week. Yeah. But they are bringing a certain colour to your life that um, But also understanding that that happens naturally. Because Precisely. people always ask That's me, like, thing. how did you... Don't you know, so much. Yeah, like, how did you yeah. make... How did you and your friends build this business? And I'm like, you know what? It's also like, if you know what you want, then those people will gravitate towards you. Because I think there's a yeah. lot of power in if you know, okay, this is who I am and this is what I want to do, then you attract the right people to you. So yeah. it's also like a balance, basically, of knowing, you know, being sure of your own journey. And even if you don't know exactly what you want to do, if you have one goal and you get to that point, from there, you're going to meet people that can help open up doors to, you know, other things that you might want to do. I think 100. it's really nice when, when your friends succeed uh, and it brings you some kind of thing yeah. and it doesn't have to be as you say it doesn't have to be them giving you a job but it gives you an insight into another world and it just makes everything better for everyone mm. and i think sharing the success is really important in in your friends and your work friends or mm. whatever we're and bringing them. like we mentioned earlier bringing each other up and and offering opportunity where you can whether that is directly or indirectly to those people around you i think fostering that environment is is special mm -hmm. and i think that's uh you know that's that's one way if you're if you're stuck quote unquote at the beginning and you're looking for a way to to get on and move up is find find your peers find the other ones that are in the position same position as you and use your use your collective i don't know angst or collective uh, inspiration to to make something happen mm -hmm. yeah pull each other up exactly that's super important um anyway we are gonna have to say goodbye to sade now because uh it's almost time for our third guest but um sade do you have any wise words what would be your your i guess one piece of advice your one sentence piece of advice oh gosh for someone that i don't know wants to make something happen or for you right now what what advice would you give yourself five years ago i guess that's the better question oh that is a hard what advice would i give myself yeah oh geez um i mean myself 
I don't know. I think myself it's more about, you know, finding a better balance mm -hmm. of, you know, my uh, well-being. Um, I think in general, it's just about, you know, all the stuff we get to do is also fun. So I'm like partly enjoying it and just trying things. This is what I think I always say because that's what I do. I just try things. I'm like, okay, well, I want to DJ. I'm going to put some time and effort into that. Let me do that. I'm going to produce. Let me try that. And now it becomes a job. So I think it's not limiting yourself where, you know, obviously you have to make smart decisions. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to try something, just go for it because you're just going to learn. Even if it fails, even if it doesn't turn out the way you want, you're going to learn from that experience, which you can always apply to other things. Um, so I think that's probably what I would say to anyone is just give it a go because what's the worst that is going to happen? Beautiful. Sade Lawson. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Alexander23 with his great, great song, Dirty Air Force Ones. He's Australian, I think. So good. So oh. Australian. What I love about Australian art in general, and I think we were talking about this the other day, um, is that it seems to take the mundane, I don't want to say mundane because that has negative connotations, but the everyday and presents it in such a like whimsical, wonderful way. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Oh, yeah, it's very loose and casual. Yeah, everything's yeah. very casual. They're just like hanging out with their bros until they're drinking in the field. and then they're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then they then they go off on one. Um so Shade uh has gone home. So it's just me and Charles here in the so studio. Sad. The boys, the boys are back. Um but I wanted to talk to Charles a little more specifically about his career because mm -hmm. In the past few weeks or past few months, I don't know how long it's been, um, he's uh, leveled up a little bit and um, he's signed with an agent, which in, I mean, in any creative world, but especially in the film world, can give you access to um, bigger jobs, better jobs, more regular jobs, maybe. And I just wanted to know a little bit from you, Charles, what has been um, the biggest difference so far between being independent and chasing all your work yourself to having someone in your corner or is there a big difference at all i i don't think there is a huge difference mm -hmm. i think a lot of people expect that kind of uh, a milestone to really leapfrog them into amazing amazing different world and i think that um they that hopefully whoever has signed you has seen something in you and they want to they want to kind of continue that but it, it's really a lot of it's up to you to keep pushing for that um i think the main difference is that with any kind of interaction that i have now with a production company mm -hmm. I, it, it all goes through my agent and that because of that i guess that's it's just kind of like uh, it's like another level they they kind of assume they're speaking with someone much better than i am it's <laughs> <Yeah, that's, laughs> a joke um but but that's that's a really important step. That if you want to chase bigger and bigger jobs, that you've you they expect this middleman to exist. Yeah. And so it's nice to have that there and not be dealing with my rate and my terms um, directly to a producer. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what a thing. A lot of people, I, I get a lot of younger creatives reaching out to me asking. Uh, not ne not necessarily random people but people I know or, or know through people asking oh I've got this job what should I charge for this and m I mean it's hard it's hard to help someone in that way because yeah. I don't know one I don't know how much they value themselves at two I don't know how much time and effort they're expecting to put in how much equipment they're bringing to the table all these different variables that would um inform your decision I guess of what to charge someone and I guess when you do reach that next step of having someone taking care of that for you it relieves a whole lot of stress 
that is peripheral to the work itself i guess i find that uh, myself sometimes because i'm uh independent unsigned and sometimes the back and forth uh with a client can harm not necessarily harm your relationship with them but if you've had to negotiate semi-aggressively there can sometimes be a you know a sour taste in in each of your mouths when it comes to doing the actual work so yeah yeah absolutely i think i think that's probably one of the best aspects of it is that you do have that wall up it's a, and it's a professional wall that that kind of means that when when th- when push does come to shove uh that you're not the one in the firing line for it it's right. someone else and so that you can still arrive on set or wherever you're going and and there can still be a, a great rapport there yeah. um a lot of a lot of what we do is about it's about relationships really yeah and that and that keeping them uh, alive and as fresh as possible is great so that you can be creative on set you can do your job do you think you've reached a milestone in your career by getting signed or do you think it's unimportant uh, uh, that's difficult uh, i think it's it's probably unimportant for the work mm-hmm. and i think the work's the most important thing i think that if people are doing really great work then awesome you're gonna get noticed by someone um but i think that it just it just marks a certain transition in anyone's career yeah and what would be i know a lot of people ask like well how do i get signed how do i get signed which i think is a difficult question to ask because it's unanswerable people get signed regardless of if you're a, a dp director musical artist um, you know, designer, everyone, they're agents for everybody, and it's hard to answer that question. But I would guess the question I would put to you instead of how do you get signed is what's the kind of work people should be doing if they feel like they're ready to move to that next step to, to solidify themselves professionally? What advice or steps would you offer? Yeah, I, I can only speak to my own experiences here, um, but. I think that one of the really important things was finding the right eyes for your work. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different avenues for that for different, I guess, creative professions. But one of the big things in filmmaking is uh, festivals. Yeah. And particularly if, uh, if a film of yours does well, it can get written up in different magazines and publications. And so it was through something like this that, uh, that someone came to me offering to sign me. And uh, I think that you're probably as you as you allude to you're asking the wrong question if you're saying i want to get signed it's more how can i elevate my work enough that people will start noticing me Mm -hmm. or am i putting my work in front of the right people and what because obviously social media is a big tool that people use these days to get eyes on their work and i i don't i mean i think it's safe to say neither of us have an exceptionally big instagram following but i think the thing you and I both have in common is that we have a lot of the right people looking at our work um, online on Instagram, and that's something that's a conversation I have with a lot of people, and they're asking about, well, how do I get to the next level? How do I get on? In theory, it's it's about well, yeah, get the right people looking at your work rather than masses. I mean, yes, it takes you know it takes work, but pretty much anyone, if they put enough time and effort in, could build a humongous following on any given social media but i feel like if you have the right people following you it's uh i don't know it's much more uh it, it's much more helpful to your yeah. career yeah i think i think uh having a strong instagram presence is is really important for a visual uh, creator mm-hmm. um but 
I think that it's only uh, an opening to a conversation. Yeah, precisely. Uh, it, it is really nice that you can message someone, you can slide into their DMs, and they can have access to a lot of your work really, really easily. Because I think that's a big thing is that these people, these gatekeepers, have so so many people questioning them and, and throwing them emails that they're not going to really want to go through and click on all these links. But if they can just like slide through and click on your profile and they they see some really sweet stuff then it just makes it much more likely that they're going to engage engage you and i think that's important to remember throughout this whole process um whether it's online or in person it is about who you know um, there is a social element to any any of these kind of jobs we're talking about today but it's got to be backed up with uh, with a certain level of talent i mean you you can get somewhere by not being absolutely great but to to get really anywhere, you have to be talented at what you do, but also just by the hard work yeah. that you're willing to put in. I know I would much rather hire someone to work on a video of mine who might not be the tip, tip, top person right now, but I know they're going to work their ass off to make it happen as best as possible. I'd much rather hire that person than, than the person with 100,000 Instagram followers that might look f flashy, but you know maybe has a certain attitude about them of of thinking they've already made it yeah i think i mean that's a really interesting i guess uh iteration of that on a micro level but on a macro level that works really well as well that like just opening yourself to as many opportunities as you can through hard work and being tenacious super important i think mm. but uh, I, I guess that's going to be measured with some kind of self-reflection it's 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 very easy to to just hammer on the same door over and over again and get frustrated um, but I think what we've got to be really mindful of doing is reflecting on what we're doing and if that's really working for us and maybe changing course a little bit so that they, we can uh, leave ourselves open to opportunity. Mm. I, think, I think being open to change is, is fantastic. I mean, all, all three of us that we've had here on the show so far have all kind of had changes and at least ebbs and flows in what we're doing. And I think if you're too focused on becoming this one thing, yeah, you're right. You can get to a point where you're maybe stunted and you're not making progress. But because you are working and you're active, you might think, oh, no, it's all going to work out. I'm doing the right thing. But sometimes it is worth just taking a step back, assessing the situation as a whole on a higher level and thinking, OK, what do I need to do now to make this happen? Like, for instance, I, uh, you know, I've been working solidly in this world I'm in for at least like four, maybe five years now in terms of that being my main source of income. But it's only, I'd say, over the last year or so where I have taken a step back and been like, OK, I'm not going to just take any job I can get. I'm going to be a little more pointed in my decisions. Now, obviously, you have to make a living, so yeah. don't be afraid to make money, people out there. But have an idea of where you're trying to go like i've had a couple opportunities uh in the last six months that would have paid me well or uh, were solid work but i've said no to them because they're not aligned with the type of work i want to be doing and the the type of person and artist i guess that i want to be yeah i think uh, it's a really interesting frustration as well having this need to make money mm -hmm. and need to live basically because often it can put you in situations where you're running contrary to what you want to be doing. And I think that, that at some level, you've just got to be a human and say, I'm going to accept this because it's going to give me the possibility to pursue something in the future, potentially. Um, but it's still a conflicted state. I, I struggle with that a lot as well. Yeah. Like doing doing projects that I, I know 
in in five or ten years i really hope i'm not going to be doing mm-hmm. these kind of projects but i've just got to kind of do them so i give myself the opportunity to do something later yeah but as you say turning down the right projects so that you can have that that time now that's so valuable to really invest in maybe a creative project or a documentary for me or something like that that will just take you much quicker to where you want to be going yeah well let's put a pin in this conversation for now because i want to come back to it when we have our next guest in the room because she uh, is from a very different world to us yet at the same time has similar struggles in the come up of having to essentially put all your energy into this career in order to make it but having the need to make money and live a life and be a person um we'll introduce our next guest when she's here but first let's play her latest single Ashniko's in the house Eat my pussy like it's lunch. That's her. That was her latest <laughs> single, Special, which came out a couple of weeks ago and is blowing up the internet, is it yeah, safe to say? Yeah, it's viral, bro. It's viral. It's viral. <laughs> Check out the video. It's on uh, over 500,000 views now. I don't know what it's on, but um, it's... Uh, that's half a million to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's destroying the internet. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ashniko is a recording artist, critically acclaimed, critically some acclaimed may say. Critically acclaimed artist. Critically acclaimed recording artist, Ashniko. So um, she's joining us here in the Fubal studio. Charles Morey's still here as well. Hey, Charles Morey. Hello. So for those of you that haven't put three and three together yet, we all know each other. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're sorry if it divulges into a little bit of ridiculousness, but we'll try and keep on track. Um, so, Ash, we were just talking Me about... Me and we are BFFs. <laughs> we are. We are BFFs. <laughs> but we were just talking about um, basically trying to quote-unquote get on and making your creative career happen when you also have to balance it with um working yeah like charles you also moved here from afar a little while ago um why don't you just fill the listeners in slightly on your your story of how you arrived here in london hey guys i'm ash nico and um i so i moved to the uk when i was 18 years old from Latvia, where I spent my high school years, which is where I'm not from. I'm from North Carolina in oh, yeah. the United States of America. But I, um, so I knew that I wanted to do music. So I need to sneeze, but I can't get it out. Well, it'll come at some point. Just make sure you do it right into Charles's mic. Okay, I will. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I knew I wanted to do music. I've known I wanted to do music since I was about 14. Um, that's when I first started. Writing my rhymes, learning how to song right. <laughs> um, and then I moved here. And what was the question? Am I just getting well, That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's pretty much it. And so then, before we talk about arriving in London, let's talk a little bit about why, like, why London? What gave you that? What gave you that jump start? What, what made you want to come here in the first place from Latvia? Um, well, I wanted to get away from my parents, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, I also, like, since I was, so I'm from, like, a small town. Um, it's funny saying this to Henry because he knows everything about me. But um, They don't need to know that. It's fine. Um, whoop, um, so I'm from a small town where, well, basi- basically when I was a kid, I, like, hated everyone. And I was just like, you small town motherfuckers. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no, anything. I was just so like elitist. I thought I was like above everyone in my small town, which in hindsight I was a dickhead. But um, I knew that I wanted to live in a big city from a very young age, um, and I chose London because I am also a European. So I decided I really like London. It's like a really nice hub. I feel like so. I was also thinking about New York or LA. So it was between the three cities. And um, New York and L.A. are not very easy to get to. They're not. Mm. Not from Riga. Not from Riga. I mean, they are easy to get to, <laughs> but, like, I just feel like New- London is more of a hub. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I agree. I think London... I, I've been really coming around to this opinion a little more recently, but I think London is, at, right now at least, is the It feels like the center, hub. the center yeah. of everything, really. Culturally, I think this is popping right now. Like, be, yeah. Lon- what's cool in London is the driving force of what's cool around the world. And I think it's great that even as a teenager, you had the wherewithal and the motivation to access that, like physically, you know, because online, yeah, we can get, we can see what we want to see, talk to who we want to talk to. But what I admire about you is that you, before you even moved here, you were coming here on weekends, you were like involving yourself in the scene. And I think that, is hard especially when you don't know anyone we were just talking about earlier moving to a new city and not knowing anyone Mm -hmm. the hard thing is answering that question of like well how do i meet people because Mm -hmm. everyone's talking about oh it's who you know it's who you know yeah well how do i get to know the people that i need to know and that's uh that's actually another question i got asked uh when i did a call out some questions yesterday someone was uh, someone asked me how how do you know so many people? And I, I wouldn't say I do know overly. Pouring yourself out. Well, I mean, <laughs> there are children listening to this show. And that's got nothing to do with my career. Um, <laughs> that's purely recreational. Um, but I think it's just about being open and being friendly and being, being curious and surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. Sliding into DMs. Sliding that's into all DMs. Henry does all day. You but really do, though. It's really about not being afraid, I think. Not being yeah. afraid to... When people, when kids ask me, so I have kids. uh, You have kids? I have kids. (laughs) (laughs) I have four kids. Sally, Ryan, Hurst, and Brint. Hurst and Brint. (laughs) I've seen them. What, Donnie? Yeah, Donnie pretty much is my kid. Anyway, that's that's off topic. Um, What was I saying? I have kids in my DMs who are, they're like, oh, like, how, how, how do you, like, make those connections? Yeah. And, like, you can, you can tell people as much as you want, like, follow your dreams and, never stop yeah. hustling and it's a great sentiment but yeah it is like how do you actually do it so how did you <laughs> when you <laughs> when you us. first arrived in london no because i mean i know obviously I'm, pr- I'm privy to the info behind the story but i'd be curious to see how you yeah. tell yeah. it when you arrived in london as a fresh-faced teen with um some diss tracks on the internet that yeah. popped off in Latvia, um, but not knowing anyone else here, how did you transition from, okay, I'm this teenager that's in the big city that wants to make it happen, to I'm Ash Nico, I'm an artist, and I'm, I'm earning a living for myself. Confidence, baby! <laughs> um, no, because because you don't all of a sudden like access this database of people that you should know. Precisely. Um, it just kind of happens gradually, and all of a sudden you then look back at... You, you take account of how where you are in the moment, and you're like, oh, wait, I'm actually doing all right. And I've done that recently. I've now, like 
l- looked at myself and I've been like, I am a professional. Yeah. I'm actually a professional at what I do. And I know a lot of people in this industry, um, which is something that when I was 18, I would have done anything for. Um, but when I was 18, I wanted it right then. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any patience. I wanted it right then. But that's not how it works. You what, just gotta... what do you think was the most important mindset going through that? Um, like, hmm, I don't know. Just like curiosity okay, and like cool. an ability to put yourself in like step outside your comfort zone a little bit mm. and like talk to people. I think that's important. And also, like you said, not wanting everything to come at once is important. Like, mm-hmm. I remember mm. when I had, like, just graduated. So I, I did go to film school out in the U.S., which was uh, a big help in some ways, but also probably in different ways to how you'd imagine. But I remember I had this screenplay that the, through someone I knew, there was a someone who could potentially get it into Danny McBride's hands. And I was like, fuck, this is it. Like... Danny McBride's going to read this, he's going to love it, I'm going to make a movie, and like that's going to be my career. And that you know, that didn't even get to the, the first person it needed to get to, to get into Danny McBride's hands. And I've, the excitement and, I guess, delusion that I felt over that has kind of uh, taught me as I've gone on to, to not rush, because I'm, for one, I'm someone that always wants to get on to the next thing. I'm always excited to get to the next level to do something bigger and better but i'm learning especially over the past couple of years to really enjoy this like enjoy now like i look forward to the times where we can look back and miss these days yeah kind of with the sentiment of i know there is more to come but the process is everything i I think i think you can want it i think you can want to to elevate quickly you can want to push yourself because that's what that that for me that's what keeps me motivated but not expecting it is really important yeah. for your for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like keeping the energy is, is can be really tough unless you really want that next thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I feel like when it happens all at once, like somebody gets lucky and then becomes like an overnight sensation. Mm-hmm. I feel like those can like it's not really based on it, like a firm foundation of True. like yeah, like I know that now in my personal career if i don't know i were to put out a song and it didn't do as well i know that i still have like people around me who love me and care about me and still support my career regardless um but yeah i feel like when it happens quite instantaneously it's not as what's the word i'm looking for it doesn't have longevity yeah 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 but i think and but what is funny is so Ash, you're you know you're doing you're doing very very well, and I feel like you've got big you've got a couple of really big years ahead of you. But if your say oh your God. next single was to absolutely blow up, global worldwide phenomenon, a lot of people would look at you and be like, well, she's come out of nowhere, she's an overnight yeah. sensation. And I think that music people just don't want to see you doing well. <laughs> <laughs> but I think music is the is the world where that's most prevalent, and it's easy to point a finger and be like she came out of nowhere she blew up he's doing this he's now on top of the game um when in reality you have had five ten years of working hard at this and treating this like a job and it's the same with charles like assisting for years and then doing smaller projects and working your way up like charles you you know could shoot whatever the next big nike commercial tomorrow and suddenly everyone wants to know you and they're like well this guy came out of nowhere and yeah. I feel like there's no such thing as out of nowhere what these did, days. What did Franco say? 
hard work. Unless you're a, a meme, a, sorry. <laughs> a hard work looks a lot like good luck. Yeah, exactly. And I, and feel I think like it's, bi- it's easy to be jealous of people that you assume that they've just got it out of nowhere. Yeah. And you, you don't really know what they've put into that. Yeah. And I, yeah. I guess, yeah, just stay in your own lane and be a bit be a bit more sighted uh, on your own goals and don't look at other people's work and think, oh, they don't deserve that or they they have a one-hit wonder in, in some way or another. That's poisonous. Yeah. It's poisonous to look at other people and compare yourself. It's so tough with Instagram, particularly for DOPs. Like, other DOPs look like they're working all the time. Other yeah. big directors are working with all these other people and you're like, oh, man, this isn't happening for me. Mm-hmm. What am I doing wrong? And just... Just stick to yourself. Yeah. I think that's yeah. really important for, for your mind, totally. It's so toxic. Yeah, it's. I feel like it just sets you back because then, I don't it's just wild. It's just wild. It I've, is. like, started, I, I know this is really petty, but the people that I'm, like, slightly jealous of, I just mute them on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's important, though. I think I that's do. important. It makes me so, like, depressed to see them, like, playing a festival that I wanted to play, and I'm just like, fuck you what am i doing that you're what am i not doing that you're doing and i just drive myself absolutely insane yeah but you don't insanity. Hear, and that's the thing you don't hear the gaps of them not doing big things you just hear the massive good it's a highlights moments. Real. yeah I, I mean being talked to to death for everyone but it's super super important i think to just stay in your own world yeah stay in your own world and be be inspired and be excited by what other people are doing but don't that too, compare yeah, yeah. yourself i think nowadays we have access to constant comparison that humans have never ever had before and it's easy to feel down when you know you see someone else your age or at what you perceive to be your level doing so well mm-hmm. when you know these are all careers most yeah. we are we are all lucky to be in this world where we can experience relative success at a young age if someone wants to be a lawyer or a doctor or you know work in in politics or something like that these people aren't thinking of even being at the top of their game until they're late into their careers yeah, decades exactly. into their careers so i think it's important when you are in the in the arts world or the creative world or any world to 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 put it bluntly is just to be happy with where you're at. Definitely be be aspirational and have motivation and have desire, but also just enjoy exactly. enjoy the process of getting there. You're not supposed to be like, I don't know, there isn't like a timeline for where you're supposed to be. Exactly. Which is a lot of people have a hard time like, I don't know. Like we're taught, we're taught that we need to, to be like somewhere by the time we're 30 or we need to be somewhere by the time we're 40 and it's just like it's just a bit it's a trap yeah you can do as many things as you want exactly i had a big crisis that i wasn't um a teen pop sensation (laughs) when i turned 20 i was like this is it this is it i've lost lost it all i've lost it all but you know what we all have our own timeline we really do we really do we really do and unfortunately charles's timeline is coming to an end (laughs) charles we're gonna have to say goodbye We're going to have to uh, say goodbye to you in order to bring in our next guest. It's for the best. Charles, um, like I said with Sade, what what advice would you have given yourself? If you could give yourself five years ago a piece of advice now, what would it be? Um, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing now. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, uh, just keep going. You've just got to keep at it. Don't give up. Cool. Thank you very much. Charles Murray. That was Octavian, Don't Cry. And before that, we had my man Drew McLean with his new track, Do Rag Beckham.
Have you seen that photo, Ash? Of uh, well, David Beckham met Prince Charles uh, and the Queen, and he's like wearing a do rag. I mean, it's David Beckham wearing a do rag. I feel like I have. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good internet content. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> our man Charles Murray has left, but uh, we're going to spend a few minutes with Ash Nico here before we bring in our next guest. Finally. Finally, some alone time. Finally, um, some attention on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were at, Charles was talking a little bit towards the end about um, embracing like being different and embracing your thing, and that's kind mm. of what we've talked about with some of the other guests before is like knowing what you have to offer and mm. not being afraid to sell that in a way. Yeah. Um, you stand out as an artist, especially here in the UK, as someone who isn't afraid to be different. Would you agree? I would say that, yeah. And why do you think that is? I don't know. Something about me, I just really don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you do, though. M- like, much to my detriment. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think there's ways where you don't give a shit, but then there are ways where you give way more of a shit yeah. than, than other people. And All right, don't roast me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, she's terrible. Henry's <laughs> um, my housemate, just so you guys yeah, know. Yeah, we, we unfortunately live together uh, it's in, horrible. In, in, a, in a home with one other feral child i hate um, him i honestly hate him he had to drag me here i did and she did it and we're only paying her 500 grand which is only crazy. paying me <laughs> eight raisins <laughs> <laughs> but see as you can tell ash is uh ash is quite the character and i feel like that i love raisins how, how has that how has that helped do you feel like that's been a boost to your musical career do you find that maybe it sometimes overshadows what you do you do you you ever find that your personality overshadows what you want to be known for on a broader scale uh yeah i had nylon japan wrote about me and they were like she's a youtuber and i was like no i'm not a youtuber fuck you guys um (laughs) but it's just we love you nylon japan i love no no nylon japan i really genuinely love you yeah please i want to be big in japan that's my dream make it happen make it happen anyway um but yeah i feel that because I post a lot of funny videos on the web with mm. your help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like sometimes maybe that overpowers the music sometimes. But I feel like maybe I'm finding a nice balance. Mm. I think you are. And I think it's also n- about not being afraid to take risks and yeah. not being afraid to lie outside you the know, norm. This is the first year of my life where I feel like very confidently myself. I think before that, I felt very uncomfortable in my own skin. I felt very uncomfortable, like, with my artistry. And this is the first year where I'm very confident in who I am. And when I was 18 years old and I was like, listen, I just want to do this now. I want it to happen for me right now. I'm glad it didn't happen for me right then mm. because I didn't know who the fuck I was. I didn't know what I wanted. If it had if it had popped up for me then, honestly, I would have been a mess. Yeah. I would have been... Yeah, I would have been a messy, messy young person, well, and I'm glad. And I think that's important for for people to hear because in whatever you're doing, we're all so keen to get to the end goal straight yeah, away. Yeah, you got to be ready for it. You got to be ready for it. I'm not not to say that I'm at the end goal. I'm not at all by any means, and I hope there is no end goal because time isn't linear. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, I um, I just I feel a lot more confident. And I'm glad that my career is picking up now when I have I I feel like I have the mental support behind it to deal with um the uh 
the hardship. What What do you feel like gives you that confidence, or what has given you that confidence? Being single. <laughs> Divorcees. No, yes, actually that. But um, that's one thing. Like I'm single, and I'm like really discovering myself and what I like and I'm just like I don't really need anyone to make me happy and um I make myself so happy I have mm. such a good time by myself and that's not the only thing but um I just feel like time and like just growing up into myself I feel like I'm 23 now and I feel like it's the best year of my life I feel really fucking happy and confident so good I think my hand Oh, yeah, I can feel it. She is happy and confident. <laughs> it just sent me a little vibration. And I think that's important in whatever path you take, confidence in yourself and what you're doing and what you believe in and working something you believe in. And that leads us to our final guest of the show, who has actually been sitting here very quietly um, the whole time we've been talking because sound. we've been making her feel weird. Oh, my God. Yep. See, they gave me an air horn sound. I meow, asked meow, for that meow. at the beginning of the show. Didn't think I was going to use it, but meow, there meow, we meow. go. <laughs> Our next guest is Miranda Barry. Miranda, welcome. Hi guys, how's it welcome going? Welcome to Feet Wet here on Fubar Radio. It's going good. It's going good. It's uh, that's Feet Wet's the name of the show. It's a good show. Yeah, good. good Thank show. you. I thought I was about to get chastised live on air. Um, Miranda, welcome. You're not from here. I am also not from here. I am also from the United States. Oh my God, I'm outnumbered. Um, so you are from a slightly different world to the rest of the guests so far. Yeah, I feel like it sits very nicely in terms of the career path and and the skills we all use and the the world we all navigate why don't you um give the listeners a bit of info about what it is that you do yeah so i work on political campaigns in the united states um i work in uh, digital organizing which basically means that i spend most of my time trying to get people to donate online to interact with political candidates uh, through video, through photo, uh, through creative content. So it really does pull from, you know, I've been, I've been listening um, to Ash and to Charles and, uh, you know, all of the work that they do, we try and incorporate into our campaign. So there definitely is a crossover there. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Harnessing the power of the internet. That's, what we're, that's really all we're it's trying to do, isn't it? What it's what, a, we, what we attempt. It's a fantastic <laughs> tool. And um, so what, what I am curious with your case and your world specifically is what drove you to get into this? Because we are obviously all narcissists that want to just make our own stuff <laughs> and other people to love it. Whereas with you, it's obviously got something deeper behind it. It's driven by what I hope is uh, your political beliefs. Yeah, so I think it was, you know, like a lot of people when they fall into what they do, accident turned into inspiration, turned into I need to keep doing this because it fills me. Um, when I was 13, my little sister was playing on a basketball team and there was a guy running for a state senate in Nevada. Um, I'm from Las Vegas, by the way. And, um, and Oh, wait. <laughs> there we go. Meow, meow. There, there we go. Um, so I, I started to get involved. I started to make calls uh, for this political candidate. And it was the first time in Nevada that I had really felt in my own skin. Um, mm. I felt like I was putting someone um, in office who was going to do the right thing, who was going to uh, make my experience as a student better. And so I think from there, I just sort of started to get involved more and more and recognized that talking to people on the phone, knocking on doors, I could do it, I enjoyed it, it was nice to get to know my community, but I felt like I had this other sort of 
creative side where I really wanted to use um, some of the photo and video background that I had uh, to work sort of on the digital side of politics. And so uh, that's sort of how I fell into that and um, have just been sort of uh, continuing to fall into it ever since. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've known you for a few years now and yeah. you've been all over the world <laughs> and you've worked on a ton of different stuff. Um, when we first met or around when we first met, you were working on Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how did, I guess, at such a young age, or not necessarily a, a young age, because that I feel like age doesn't fully matter, but near, towards the beginning of your career, working on such a large-scale, powerful project, essentially, um, I don't know, how, how did that feel? Because in my eyes, that's sort of going in at the top, in a way, like obviously you're not in charge of the campaign, but even just having the responsibilities you had on it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you did and how, I don't know, how that felt being a young person uh, working for a great cause? Yeah, so I um, I got shipped out to Colorado. Basically in, in the U.S., the way the system works there is that you have a couple of battleground states in every election. And so I was in the battleground state of Colorado. Um, we had a goal to mobilize uh, certain constituencies, so groups of people, and um, one of those groups was the youth vote. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, you know, we see this uh, here in the UK, we see it in the US, time and time again, you know, people get passionate on social media, but when it comes down to actually going out and voting, they just don't do it. And so one of my main goals when I was out in Colorado was to use the tools that we had on the campaign to reach those youth voters. How can we connect with them? How can we support them? And so to do that, um, we had a really great videographer that I was working with and you know, we would, we tried out a number of different things. I think one of the favorite um, sort of projects that we got to work on was something called the Sundial Sessions. We would get uh, local musicians in and um, do sort of call to action. So, you know, they'd be performing, it'd be live, people would be interacting with it. Um, but the ultimate goal would be, you know, to get people uh, engaged, volunteering. And, you know, even if you can't uh, physically volunteer, to just sort of start making sure that you are that person that reaches mm -hmm. out to your friend and says, hey, this is the day we need to go and do this. If you can't get there, let me give you a ride. When it feels like what you've done, similar to everyone else we've had on today, is, again, recognize what you have to offer, recognize your unique positioning within the framework, I guess, of a political party in this sense, but within the framework of society and saying, okay, I can do this and I know these people and I have special insight into this group of people. How can I make that work to my cause? And whereas your cause isn't necessarily like uh, promoting yourself and your art, it's promoting a, a social cause that you believe in and I think that um, I think there's something very noble in that but I also think that's very savvy of you to navigate that world in the way someone might navigate um, a less I, I don't really know the word but less traditional uh, media or creative world yeah and I would also say on the point of you know this is something that I can offer I think that it's important to recognize when you're starting your career that you obviously aren't going to always know exactly what it is that you can offer. And mm. so when I started, um, it really, you know, there were so many things that I tried that hit the wall and just really didn't stick. And so I think that, you know, as a young creative, you really have to, um, and I think Ash was talking about this earlier, you have to be kind to yourself. Um, mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's a daily check-in process of, 
you know, okay, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. Maybe it's not, but I'm going to keep trying it and that's okay. And I am where I'm supposed to be. And so that internal mantra, um, I think is really important. Mm. I love a mantra. Well, Ash, I was going to say, do you, do you feel like you've had those? Because I feel like you've been at Ash Nico um, for, I don't know how many years, but a, a while now. Like eight years Eight now. years, yeah. You've wow. been putting yourself out there as as that thing. And have you ever had moments of, I wouldn't say moments of doubt, but moments of like, oh, maybe this isn't the thing. Maybe I should be doing option B. Not necessarily plan B in terms of a backup plan, but have you ever had other doors open up to you where you think, oh, maybe that's a thing? Um, or is it all part of the same does it all feed into the same goal i <laughs> i am i have always wanted to do this so i i'm deluded i'm fully deluded that it's gonna work out forever yeah. I, I i i maybe it's extreme narcissism i don't know what it is but i am there is no plan b for me but i think that's good i'm i'm a big i'm a big anti-believer in plan b yeah having one kind of I feel like going out there with a plan B is like, well, if this doesn't work out, yeah. then I just like every day I wake up and I'm like, this is it, bitch. Yeah. Well, I think if you have a backup plan, like it's good to have varied interests, like we've been saying, but if you have a, a, a backup plan or that I hate the phrase something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. That means yeah. there's inherent belief that you're going to fail. Yeah, you and can't, you can't like... think that way. I think knowing that you have different um, skills is good mm-hmm. um, and and nurturing those skills is great but having a backup plan when you really truly if in your heart want to do this one thing don't don't do that don't do that to yourself then you're just setting yourself up to for failure yeah essentially um so miranda in your world you obviously are you yeah in your world because we all live on different planets (laughs) um you are essentially working for a for a cause or for a, a person you believe in but at the same time the political sphere is a world where you do you still need to think about yourself and you still need to think about how you're positioning yourself and how you're moving up in the world how do you find navigating that um in terms of balancing okay i'm working for someone or something i believe in versus i'm doing something that's gonna help me progress my career so um great question so in politics you have the candidate obviously Mm -hmm. and you know, I would say uh, that it is very, very good to believe in the candidate. Otherwise, you're working, you know, seven days a week, 13 hours a day for no reason. Uh, but I do think that there is that day-to-day component where you do need to be self-motivated, and it can't always just come from the candidate. And I think that the solution that I've found is to find the right mentors. And I think that in any creative industry, it's the same thing. It is latching on to those people that you know that love you, that are going to support you, and that when you bring them something that is a little bit out of the box, that they're going to be like, okay, we're going to develop this, we're going to try it, and we're going to you know, sort of take you through it every step of the way. And so for me, my biggest thing was early on finding those kinds of people and doing my best to really sort of continue mm. and develop those kinds of relationships. And where, where did you find where did you find yourself meeting these, these people? Uh, they're the people that do the work, right? They're the people that come in first and stay later. I think that that's true of most industries, mm-hmm. right? They're the people that, you know, um, a, a really great example would be uh, the videographer that I worked with in 16, Yash Mori. 
you know, if I needed help on a project, I know he would be there on his day on his day off, um, vice versa. So I think it's you find them because you are the one that wants to put in the work as well. And I think that it just sort of there's that natural attraction there. Mm. Ash, how do you feel in your world? Like, how did you when you first came to London because obviously being in any big city it's like overwhelming mm -hmm. how in the music world where I guess it's less apparent like who's coming in late who's doing what because everyone's a little bit everywhere how do you and even to this day how do you navigate that in terms of knowing who you can trust who you should latch on to who's worth your time you can't trust anybody <laughs> don't trust no one <laughs> don't trust nobody <laughs> Um, well, actually, though, in the music industry, I feel like there it's hard to find those people because yeah. um, a lot of the music industry is very self-interested. Um, but I found that I kind of was desperate for a mentor um, because I needed help navigating a world that I was entirely unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. I had been like a bedroom artist before that, and now I was like wanting to do it wanted to be in the in big, the big time yeah. but i recently have decided that i yeah i have my team of people that i love and, and respect but i am trying to like not be like a girl in the music industry who has like a, a mentor i'm trying to i'm trying to not because i have i have pretty serious imposter syndrome as a woman mm -hmm. in music um, and I'm trying to be my own mentor right mm. now and just kind of wake up every day and acknowledge that I'm a boss. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I can be someone else's mentor. Well, but I, I yeah. think that's important. I think acknowledging that you, even at this early stage in all of us in our careers, like you have something to offer and you've got yourself to this yeah, position. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, I think in music, um, a lot of people would like to claim that they they discovered you yeah or like gave you your career but like that is bullshit and i just yeah well in reality you make it work for yourself and you're the one that's been putting in the work and you're the one that's been putting in the time to get to where you want to go yeah. um uh, miranda i feel like that's something you do well i feel like you dedicate yourself beyond the usual um i don't know realm of dedication in that you put I, I know you like put certain aspects of your life on hold to go and take other opportunities and I think that's brave and I don't know could you speak on that a little bit in terms of taking what comes your way and what advice would you give to others in your position uh, yeah I think part of that is insanity it's an ability <laughs> to, to detach yourself from things um, but I think that uh, you know another part of that is Again, that sort of, it depends on the industry that you're in, but in politics, having that sort of North Star uh, mentor mm -hmm. in your life, I do think is, is really important. And sometimes that ends up being you. And so sometimes you end up not taking a job or not following a certain path. And, you know, you decide to go into research for a bit or you decide to um, go into, you know, sort of explore um, the, the more creative side of the work that you do. And yeah. again, I think a lot of that comes from just your internal this is what I need to be doing right now and I think that once you get there once you do that you know two or three times you recognize I'm capable of starting over again I'm capable of starting in this new place I'm capable of learning this new thing and then it just becomes easier and easier to to jump every time I think that's true like building just building that confidence within yourself and even on the small level 
having goals that are you know achievable immediately achievable and you know being able to tick them off and think oh, okay i've done this i'm making this happen and um then using that to fuel your your you know lift towards the big goals i think that's that's how it works right that's how it works in all of these um so we're coming to the close of the show we have only about five minutes left and I want to ask you guys both the question I've asked everyone at the end. Um, What's your favorite color? What is your favorite color, Ash? Blue. <laughs> it's so obvious. She has blue hair, <laughs> if you didn't know. Um, but, uh, Miranda, let's start with you. What would be the advice you'd give your own self five years ago? I think I would tell myself to be a little bit more patient. Um, I think that there were a lot of times where... I could have really stepped back and enjoyed the work that I was doing. And instead, as a, as a young person in a pretty fast-paced industry, um, I was constantly worried about the work that I was producing. And so, yeah, five years ago, um, yeah, I would definitely tell that Miranda, just be kind to yourself, be patient. It will, it will work out. It'll be good. I think that's great advice. I think everyone needs to hear that advice. Ash? Yeah, patience. Just pace yourself, kid. Because it's not going anywhere. Music is still going to exist in mm -hmm. five years. <laughs> we Just hope. Chill the fuck out. But also, yeah, you're not supposed to, like, there's, you're not supposed to be anywhere at any age. Like, you can really just pace yourself. There's no timeline. There's no milestones that you have to hit. There's, there's no rule book. So just chill the fuck out. And chill out. Drink your water and... Hydrate, stay okay. healthy, stay, stay wealthy. Hydrate. Dump your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, dump also. your boyfriend. I do think there is something in there about uh, independence, and that doesn't necessarily mean you can, you have to not be in a relationship. But I, I, the advice I would give is, don't be afraid to empower yourself with your own independence. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be part of groups or companies or whatever it is that's going to give you that step up. But always remember, you, you yourself have everything to offer and learn what these people do so you can in time provide them for yourself and do your own thing don't be afraid to you know sing your own praises i think it doesn't mean you need to be cocky but i think it's important to value what you do mm -hmm. and know if you're good at something but also know where you need to learn more mm. hmm Nobody's gonna love you like you do, baby. No one is. No one is. Radical honesty. <laughs> Radical honesty. Episode two. Catch us next time. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, guys. My name's been Henry Dean. My guests today have been Shade Lawson, Charles Mori, Ash, Nico, <laughs> and Miranda Barry. Uh, this has been Feet Wet. I'm gonna leave you with a song by Dominic Fike that is an absolute banger. See you next time. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com.